0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 467.
1: If I could impart one thing on your listeners, I would say be willing to go out on a limb and rock the boat. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with
0: inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dave Barthmus. Dave, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: I sure am. It's the law of the land here, so I am always buckled up and I'm ready to go.
0: Awesome. Great. Good to have you here. Dave Barthmus is the group manager for General Motors' West Coast Region Communications Team, and that includes all 24 states west of the Mississippi. Dave is a frequent speaker on topics of alternative fuels, communication best practices, and various General Motors business topics. His work has earned several awards, actually a lot of awards, from PRSA, including the 2013 PR Professional of the Year Award, Sabre, PR Week, and the Publicity Club of Chicago, as well as GM Chairman's Honors for Achievement in Advanced Technology Communications and STAR Awards from GM Public Policy Center for Environmental Education. He was recently awarded the Volunteer of the Year Award at the L.A. Chamber of Commerce for his continued contributions to the Southern California Leadership Network. Wow, some awesome work you've done there. Dave, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles.
1: Sure, Mark. Thank, thanks a lot. Um, I mean, basically, I'm a storyteller. I, I love to tell stories. And after uh, nearly 30 years uh, spent working in a PR field for, for GM and, and various uh, PR agencies supporting GM, I've obviously had the chance to tell a lot of the stories about cars, their owners, you know, the innovations uh, driving the auto industry, and even a few things about this uh, PR life of mine. Um, truth be told, I'm I'm really not a gearhead. I never thought I would be in the automotive space. When I started out, I grew up during the, the Watergate era. Mm-hmm. Um, had a chance to interview Carl Bernstein as a high school newspaper editor, and that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a an investigative journalist. Wow. And I got a degree got a degree in journalism and political science from Michigan State University. So sparty on everybody out there and <laughs> started off as a newspaper reporter. Wow. And Either I was real bad at my job, or every politician out there was was, was a good one. <laughs> I I couldn't catch the bad guy. And after interviewing the Abraham Lincoln look-alike at the local chicken fin restaurant in Mason, Michigan, for the second year in a row for our Down Home Days edition, I said I got to get a I got to do something different. Yeah. <laughs> um. And that's when I migrated down to uh, Detroit, got a job with a PR agency, and their uh, client was you know several GM clients and. My first assignment was to be loaned out to the Saturn Corporation, went down to Spring Hill, Tennessee and, and did a lot of community relations for the folks down there. I mean, building our our first plant and
2: everything
1: just sort of, everything just sort of rolled from there, right? And GM has given me uh, just tons of great opportunities. Everything from playing baseball with the Ripken family to dining with kings and queens in, in Sweden when we got our world water prize to, you know now living and, and working and doing some great fun things in Southern California, so it's uh you know even though i'm not a an engineer or a car guy or a gearhead by trade I, I I certainly love being around the automotive industry and and telling the great stories of our brands of of our cars and finding that intersection between uh you know what a person needs in their lives and and what a car truck or crossover can do to to really improve it and and of course, now I'm talking about. How we can provide access to mobility for those who don't want to own a car as GM transforms itself from a, you know, like a your traditional car company to a tech company. I mean, mm-hmm. things are, are changing rapidly here in the automotive space.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, aren't they so? And your story is really interesting and intriguing. And I like it because… Those listeners out there that enjoy cars, yeah, and listening to stories about people who've wrapped their passion for cars into their vocations. Yours is a rather unique one going from that journalistic background. And now you're working for GM and talking to people, as you say, dining with kings and queens around the world. Wow. That sounds like a lot of fun. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. Mm -hmm. It's some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Dave, take the wheel.
1: Well, the quote I've got actually comes from a uh, Elevate Summit in, in San Diego, something that I participated in, and they asked me the same thing, come up with an inspirational quote, and this really sums up my approach to life. And it's, quote, mm-hmm. Be willing to go out on a limb and rock the boat. The player who cautiously <laughs> steps to the plate looking for an easy walk never hits the game-winning home run. So that really has been my, um, I think approach to, to life here at, at GM and, and all of the other places I've been. I mean, you've got to take chances. You've got to be willing to, uh, reach beyond your comfort zone, if you will. Um, in many cases, challenge the status quo and, and, and never do things the same way as they have been done for the last 30 years. I mean, it's, it's awfully easy for somebody to stand in a shopping mall by a car and, and hand out brochures and, and talk up the virtues of the product like that. But for me, it's, it's a whole lot more fun to take a brand new Chevy Volt, put it in the middle of a swimming pool and brand the party Volt Chilla and create a lot of buzz and excitement around that Coachella Music Festival and, and put our products where you, you normally wouldn't expect them to be. So if you play it safe, you, you're never going to do things and stretch your limits. That has been my, my mantra in, in life. Never wanting to come into the office, sit behind a desk for eight hours, but always out there stretching the limits and trying to do new things in a in, in a better way and, and always doing things differently from one year to the next.
0: It's an awesome mantra and it's so important in life, not only people's personal lives of Keeping things fresh and energized. But in the automotive industry, we're seeing a lot more of that. They're shifting away from just here's our car, blah, blah, blah. It's so great. Buy it to a lifestyle, a why. Mm -hmm. Why did we create this vehicle for you as a consumer? And what is it going to do for you? It's kind of operating from the inside out versus the outside in in those old days. And I really like the approach that GM's been taking of late. You You look at their car commercials on television or in print and. They're kind of going down a whole new path. I remember when that Volt came out, the tour that you guys did around all the different cities, and you were actually in Tacoma to launch it off, and I got to be there and drive that first Chevy Volt that came out. So uh, very cool. I like that mantra a lot. Now, you talk about not really being a car guy, a gear head, yeah. but is there a a story that you can share with us that kind of instigated – your passion for cars, maybe in your life it came later Later when you went to Detroit and joined GM, but is there a pivotal moment when you realize that, you know, maybe I am a little bit of a car guy? Well, I, I think
1: it did come a little bit later, and, and there actually are a couple of them. I mean, when we launched the new Corvette, well, it was a C6, so it wasn't all that new, but uh, the new convertible, we did a Route 66 drive, and we went from mm. Chicago all the way to California and uh had a fleet of red white and blue convertibles that drove um, you know in the in the caravan ac- across the country and stopping in various small towns and we were the small town heroes everywhere we went <laughs> we, you know we got keys to the city we had the high school marching bands and the cheerleaders you know cheering us on we had the local you know, weather person or, or whatever talking, you know, giving us the, the reports of here they, they're, they're about five miles out now and they'll be here any minute and, you know, creating that, yeah, creating that kind of, you know, that less nestling from WKRP excitement as, as we rolled, <laughs> yeah. as, as we rolled into town. And it was just thrilling. And it was a great way to spend, you know, about a month, a month out of my life. And, and every time I would go home, people were saying, you know, you get paid for, for doing that. Um, <laughs> yeah, just the passion that, that car sort of created in people. Everybody wanted to, uh, to see the, the new convertible. And, and you know, the Corvette has that great halo and the great lore and the great history. Um Having Marty Milner at the start, you know, at, at the Route 66 start and having, you know, just people you know, walk up and sit by the hood and take pictures of themselves and, and uh, of the car even before they had selfies. So, you know, that's when I really said, you know, th- this is a really, really, really cool life, right? Yeah. You know, other things, I mentioned the fact that I was able to play baseball with the Cal Ripken family. You know, Chevy Trucks sponsored uh, Cal Ripken's youth baseball clinics, and here I am in baseball stadiums. You know, helping, uh, the Ripkins coordinate their, their youth baseball clinics. Um, I never thought, you know, I grew up in Detroit, was a huge mm-hmm. Tiger fan. And here I am in center field of the old Tiger stadium, right? You know, playing catch with, uh, Cal Ripkin and, and his father. This life, you know, has, has allowed me to do so many cool things that were, you know, that, that are, are my other passions, right? Whether it's baseball or, or music and our lives with GM has, has allowed me to go to uh, the Coachella music festival, the Lex. Last six years in row and, and sponsored these really great pop culture celebrity driven parties at these various estates, able to shut down the street in front of an estate, bring in performance drivers and and take these folks on a you know, hundred and twenty mile hot laps just to show off that new stingray nice all of these things sort of add up, and I sometimes I sit back and I say, you know it's god i yeah, I could have been a Newspaper reporter and sat behind a desk for twelve hours a day, banging out copy that maybe nobody would ever read and and Here I am out and about doing these great fun things and and really enjoying life so it's been sort of like an evolution if if you will, but mm-hmm. I think that whole corvette caravan that that 's when the the light really went on that this is a really cool life and and it's and it 's the automobile it 's the car and it 's the technology that really has afforded me to, to have this experience
0: yeah, I think so, a little more fun than. Hello, Mr. Abraham lookalike. Here's your award again. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> that sounds like a great time for me. Let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. And I'd love to crawl under the hood and talk a little bit about a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. Yeah. But the really important part of this is how did you overcome that? And what did it teach you so we can help others out there who are listening that are maybe going through similar situations?
1: Sure. When they first moved me to California from Detroit, you know, they wanted to have a a guy out here who was, uh, you know, well steeped in GM's environment, energy, sustainability messages. I had the energy and environment beat covering our chief environmental officer uh, back at headquarters. And my, one of my first assignments coming out to California was to explain why we ended production and marketing of the EV1. Uh, You know, Mm. GM's first mass produced electric car. And that yeah. that car was a terrific car, and it created a lot of passion and a lot of excitement and a lot of enthusiasm amongst uh, the EV1 drivers. You know, unfortunately, you know, we were only able to sell roughly 800 EV1s in a four-year time frame, right? So it's a mm-hmm. basic supply and, and demand issue. You know, we had to take, you know, we had to and, and that program. For us, it was a relatively... Simple supply and demand kind of decision, right? A product doesn't sell, you move on to something else. But right. the public outcry was was amazing. You know, I think the EV1 drivers, but they basically had the premise that GM self sabotaged the program to prove that the electric vehicle wouldn't work as a consumer product, so that we could sell more um, Hummers, large SUVs, large pickup trucks, right? So the negative coverage, the public outcry. I mean, I had papers, what you know, I. Had, I was at conferences and displays and exhibits and people would wad a paper and throw it in my face. They would call me every name under the book.
2: Oh my gosh. Oh yeah.
1: I mean, I remember being at the alt car expo in Santa Monica, basically the Lala Palooza for all, you know, for all, you know, all fuel vehicles and people actually spit on me. I mean, it was, I mean, they equated me. Oh my gosh. Oh, they equated me to being some, I mean, I had to explain the decision, right? So they were equating me with, with the guy that took their vision of what a sustainable future would be away from them. So I, I had a very, very, very tough time, you know, with, with the initial transition out to California because of all of this, um, all of these determined detractors who set their sights on me. I was basically Richard Nixon's press secretary.
0: Oh my goodness. Right?
1: <laughs> and then came this movie, Who Killed the Electric Car? And I, mm. I was the person assigned to explain GM's positioning and you know, I would talk about how we we're not going to be crushing cars and sending them to landfills. And there are shots of crushed cars in in Arizona, crushing the bodies before they send it through the shredder to separate the ferrous metals. I had three or four quotes and they had, you know, things to refute me. And I, I really again, I really did look like Richard Nixon's press sec- secretary or some sort of evil Darth Vader. Yeah. They even started calling me Barth Vader. Right. The playoff. Off of oh my, my God! So there, Whoa. so there are a lot of determined detractors out there, and my, you know, my task after that was to figure out ways to turn these determined detractors into proactive advocates because we were coming out with the new Chevrolet Bolt, and we had to have support for this car, right? We really, you know, we had the answer. If not the EV one, then what? We thought we had a technology, uh, that could appeal to a, a, uh, many more people, more than 800 in a four-year time frame. My approach is I kind of branded, I built an advocacy, sort of like leadership through advocacy. And, you know, three major steps, right? Identify the problem, be as open and transparent and as candid as you can be, and keep your foot on the gas it you know it can't be a a one dinner it can't be one conversation It has to be continuous communication over and over again until you find those common areas of agreement where you can move forward so it's very important for us to bring the director of the movie to detroit and other folks that were involved with the with the ev movement show them all of the things that we were working on post ev1 get their input you know, make some product tweaks uh, as part of it, give them some skin in the game for the success of the overall product. And it was ironic that I would, you know, one of my assignments when the Bolt was unveiled was to be the kind of quote-unquote PR guy for the director of the movie to make sure that the media... Was um, had a shot to talk to him so they could get his opinion of what he thought about the new Chevy Volt. So we knew if ah. uh, the guy's name was Chris Payne, great guy, if he gave positive reviews, if you will, or, or, or was optimistic about the future of the Volt, we knew then that people would be much more willing to go into a Chevy showroom and, and give it a chance. That you know it wasn't a smoke and mirror program for Jim. It was a real product effort that we were going to uh, go all out in, and it was kind of odd going from that really tough time right of the early ev1 discontinuation days of everybody just calling me every name in the book to all of a sudden being at the premiere of the second movie which is called revenge of the electric car and having <laughs> all of these folks you know buy me a beer or or slap me on the back shake my hand and say you know what a great car this vault is or let's let's just move on yeah so
0: wow wow what a uh What a challenge. That's for sure, man. It's called redemption, right? Huge, huge (laughs) challenge. Yeah, Yeah, redemption. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Mm. tough road to go down. And I felt for you. What a tough story. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments that you have. And tell us the steps that you took to turn your aha moment into a success.
1: Well, it is finding those intersections in life where a car can really make a huge difference um in a person's life. Now, one of my mm-hmm. other quotes is that, you know, our our ideal role as as a communicator, right, is to be relatable. A PR guy has to be relatable. In my opinion, we are humanizers, people who are really expert at putting a relatable face right on the brands or the technologies or the cars that we represent, and conveying messages in ways that people can really understand and, and relate to. So my, one of my aha, a couple of them was, okay, if we're going to be in Southern California, how are we going to create excitement and buzz for our products uh, amongst the trend setting pop culture Hollywood crowd? I mean, people whose opinions drive the opinions of others and people who normally don't know a whole lot about Cadillac or Chevy, Buick, or or GMC. You know, if you're going to be relevant in Southern California, I mean, you've you've got to be at music festivals, right? Like Coachella. It's a huge music and art festival every year held in the desert. And everybody who is somebody, it is the place to be seen. But you don't want to have your product displayed on the actual grounds, right, of of the concert grounds because... People are just going from one tent to another tent trying to make the next concert or they're you know, they've had they've imbibed a bit too much, so they really don't know what they're looking at. So mm-hmm. the goal for us was to have a an activation, a party off premises where people actually wanted to go to, to sort of get away from the heat, kinda of like their oasis, if you will. And that's where we actually were, was able to, you know, put the Volt in the swimming pool, branded Coachella or Voltsella the next year we put it in the middle of a lagoon and we called it Volt Valley and we had a zip line from one end to the other end the third year it was called Stingray Oasis where we shut down the streets and we had the hot laps and we and everything was designed around creating content So that we could tell our story directly to consumers ourselves. I mean, it's, it's one thing to get a story placed in, in the Los Angeles Times or the LA Daily News. But if people aren't reading the newspaper that particular day, it's kind of like, you know, a tree fell in the woods and nobody was there to see it. And often, (laughs) you know, and oftentimes I was a reporter myself. You know, I would write the story and I would put my little spin on it and it really wouldn't be the way that I'm sure my spokesperson wanted to read the story the next day in the paper. And that's what happened to me over and over and over again. That's, that's not what I said. That's not the picture of the car that goes with the copy. That headline does not match the, the actual body of the story. Or, you know, my audiences weren't there, you know, reading the newspaper anyway. And and frankly, people these days are getting their information from so many different sources. You have to figure out, you know, where it is to be relevant to them. And, and so, so let's create our, our own, way of communicating the story and talking directly to consumers. So that's why we really developed these kinds of activations that were geared to create content, compelling images, and excitement among the guests who they would then take pictures and images and videos and spread the story themselves, right? Kind of like be our third-party advocates. Have others tell the story you want to have told on your behalf. And that is a great aha moment because... I can say something about the brand new Chevy Volt and that can be very convincing in my mind. But, you know, a person's going to look at me and say, of course he's going to say that. He's a Chevrolet representative. What do you expect him to say, right?
2: <laughs> right, right. But
1: when their friend or somebody that they respect or look to for, for guidance says it, it has a lot more credibility.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great way to do things, especially now with social media. The way people feed things to other people and it just expands and grows. And like I mentioned, when Chevy Volt first launched, they did a, I think it was a nine-city tour, Mm -hmm. started in Tacoma. And where I was working at the time, we arranged to have them be there. And people would come and drive the cars and talk about them. And you had engineers there. and It really was nice. And all those people took pictures and shared those with people. So, yeah, great aha moment. I love it, the way marketing is changing, the dynamics of all of it. How about Proudest Career Moments? I know you've had many. You've had so many awards. You've been doing this for so long. But is there one in particular?
1: Well, you know, I guess when I earned the uh, PR Professional of the Year Award from the Public Relations Society of America here in Los Angeles, I guess any time you get the um admiration or, or accolades from your industry peers for lifetime achievements i mean that that really tells you something and and i was able to share the the moment with not you know my family and my daughters i mean it was very great to have them on stage and and also you know my team here my uh you know i'm surrounded by some very great some very smart people and it was a great way for me to shine the light on, on the terrific work that that they do
0: awesome well congratulations fantastic Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? Maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. Sure. it's
1: my first car. Ironically, it was a 1968 Dodge Charger, a, a green Dodge Uh-oh. Charger. <laughs> the same exact car that was in the bullet uh, chase scene, you know, with Steve McQueen. Oh, in Mustang, yes. Right? Oh, yeah. It was
0: like, the one with five hubcaps.
1: <laughs> exactly. And the one that um, you know flipped over, blew up. So, But I, yeah. I kept mine right side up. Well, good. <laughs> it was the car that took me up and down Woodward Avenue. Um, I grew up in suburban mm-hmm. Detroit, so we were cruising uh, Woodward Avenue before the Woodward Dream Cruise ever ever came to be.
2: Nice. I just
1: remember many many special nights in that car. I, that was the car I learned to drive in. The car that would take me to Pine Knob, you know, um, and to see uh, all these different bands and acts. It was just. It was the car of my youth, right? It was the car that I grew up in yeah. and, and have a lot of memories I can share and a lot of memories I, pro- I probably shouldn't share.
0: <laughs> we won't go down those paths. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> How about a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage?
1: Well, it's well, it's either that car, right? Um, it's either that 68 mm-hmm. Dodge Charger or it's the EV1, right? EV, mm. EV1, again, was the first mass-produced electric car that, that GM produced I had a, had a silver one and uh was able to drive it for a bit and it it was a great car you know the great thing about electric vehicles is that instant torque right you just yep. oh yeah you step on the accelerator the wheels spin instantly and you are off like a rocket it can beat a you know any any car from a standing start now
0: they're like slot cars
1: <laughs> they're exactly like slot cars and now, the other cars will catch up to you right and you're, you, know, you can see that battery range indicator just woo, go down really quick but <laughs> i just remember having out here in california the tu- you know kids in the tuners roll up to me and you know rather engine and kind of point and laugh because it did look unique looked different
0: yeah it was different yeah i don't
1: think they knew exactly what what they were next to and i would just you know leave them in a cloud of uh nothing right because there's nothing coming out, of, out <laughs> yeah out of the nothing tailpipe. coming
0: out of the exhaust yeah
1: and they had no idea what hit them so i mean i'm sure yeah. the ev1 is, is is another car that i really wish i had back in in my garage because of you know what it means for the entire future of the auto biz and, and how special it was at the time they had that car yeah. um in, in this market it really was a special car
0: absolutely now let's talk about current projects we're into the new year here 2016 and What does General Motors have planned? What are the things you guys are working on that really have you excited and fired up?
1: Yeah, the one thing that really has me fired up is how we are changing our company from your traditional automotive manufacturing company to really a tech company who is focused on providing access to mobility, right? It's not necessarily about going into a dealership and buying a car for a lot of people. It's about having the ability to have a car show up at the doorstep when they need it and to have that car go away when, when, when they don't need it. There are, are many people who live in San Francisco or New York or other large urban areas, primarily, you know, uh, younger people, right? Who don't necessarily want to own a vehicle and all of the things that go with it, but they want to be able to have access to a car or a truck or a crossover when, when they need it. So this whole, Partnership that we have with Lyft, for example, that, that, and this brand, uh, called Maven that GM has started to really figure out how to attack those folks that may not want to own a car, but they want access to mobility. I think it, in many respects, it is the future, uh, for, for automotive companies. And it's a huge industry disruptor. And I think the company that can really figure out the way to attack that is going to have a huge competitive advantage uh, moving forward, I think you're going to see, you know, uh, in the next, what, five to 10 years, more changes in our business than, than you've seen in, the, in the, in the last 50. I know that's one, one thing our CEO, Mary Barra, likes to say. And I, I agree, uh, with the oncoming, uh, potential for autonomous, you know, self-driving cars with vehicle to vehicle communications. These kinds of technologies, you know, are allowing this kind of, uh, car sharing, this kind of urban, um, well, solutions to urban mobility, especially as countries like China and India grow with all of the urban congestion and and ways to reduce emissions and be more fuel efficient and provide for energy security it 's these kinds of technologies that are really really going to come to the forefront and um, that 's the one thing that really gets me excited is, is transform you know the next hundred years of gm right and transforming this company with with these these burgeoning technologies that are really going to have, you know, I mean, eventually there'll be a day when you, you know, you hit an app on your phone and this car will drive itself to your doorstep. You'll take it to where you want to go. And when you're done with it, you hit the app again and it drives itself away.
0: It puts itself away. Yeah. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's some amazing things coming down the line. It's really exciting time to be around. And yes, technology is just such a rapidly changing thing. It's going to be fantastic. So we're all, Looking forward to what GM brings all of us. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Dave. If you were a car, <laughs> what kind of car would you be, and why?
1: I think I would be a VW microbus, right? <laughs> cool. Because I uh, I spent a few months, years of my life following the the band, the Grateful Dead, around, and you know that goes back to that whole you know questioning the status quo part of me, right? So I, I think uh-huh. this whole Thing of, I don't want to call it counterculture because I'm not a hippie, right? But I mean, you know, you know, back in the day, I mean, I, you know, everybody, I mean, some people went to, you know, backpack through Europe. Some people, you know, went to uh, Cabo for spring break. I followed the the dead, right? I, I went to many many shows. I think that VW microbus is probably really explains who I am at at heart.
0: Well, I had no idea I was going to be talking to a deadhead today. That's pretty cool. That's, so that's right. <laughs> that's, that's me. I love it. Yep. Yeah, we always reveal some interesting traits with that question, that's for sure. Well, Dave, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah! listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. Or you can view his website at com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipik. Okay, Dave, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers so you're ready
1: i'm ready the foot's on the pedal
0: what's the best automotive advice you've ever received
1: drive everything
0: right Uh, that's the best (laughs) automotive advice
1: do not think that your car is the only one out there drive everything so that you can compare it to other products
0: yes absolutely would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years
1: I read voraciously and I, I try to look at all points of view. I don't look at, I don't watch only CNN. I don't watch only Fox. I watch every news channel that's out there. So I can, I, you know, the truth is all, you know, what, there's one extreme, there's another extreme and the truth is always in the middle. So my, my goal is to get as much information as I can from as many different sources so I can make my own decision about what, where, where the, where the truth really lies.
0: There you go. Now, how about resources? Is there one in particular that you really enjoy that you could share with us?
1: All things social. I think the greatest resource that I have in order to you know stay on, on top of things, frankly, are, are social sites like Twitter, right? Um, and I follow as many people as I can, and that's where I get a lot of my news and a lot of my resources. It's not Twitter itself, right? It's it's the links and, the, and it's the posts of, of the people who influence me that I put up there. You know, everything from Richard Branson, all the way to Mary Barra, all the way to Bob Weir, right? From the, from the, from the band, the Grateful Dead. So all of these, all of these folks have different kinds of things that they share. And it's a great resource for me.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'll remind our listeners out there that there is a Cars Yow podcast Twitter. So I hope you start following me there, Dave, and I'll start following you and we can communicate that way as we move forward. And how about books? You said you're a voracious reader. Is there one book in particular you'd really like to share with the Cars Yow listeners?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I guess for your, your listeners, I think it would be anything written by Bob Lutz, right? Because Bob has a uh, way yeah. of telling things like it is. He's a no BS kind of guy, and he's, he's done everything, right? Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think Bob's latest book is probably the, the is a great one for anybody who likes cars or has been in the auto business and really wants to understand why things happen the way they do. When Bob Lutz talks, people listen.
0: Absolutely. We've had many guests here recommend books by Bob Lutz, including that one and Guts and several others. So I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these great resources Dave has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Dave Barthmus. And he has his own show notes page. There's also a great place on the Karsia yeah website called Guest Recommended Books where you can go and find this book and all the past 445 other guests that have been on the show with quick, easy links to purchase. All right, Dave, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. Hmm. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price, because today I'll buy you whatever you like. What would that <laughs> one vehicle be and why?
1: It would be a 57 Chevy Bel Air. Why? I like the lines of it. It harkens back to, it just screams Detroit, it screams Woodward Avenue, and it just seems to be the car that... Really reminds me of, of of those old cruising days, even though mine was not a '68 Dodge Charger. <laughs> so that's what I'd like.
0: What color, and do you do you want a coupe
1: or a convertible? I want a convertible. Okay. Live in Southern California, so I want a convertible, and I think I would want it to scream red.
0: <laughs> Very nice. I like it. Well, Dave, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would, and I really enjoyed talking with you and learning more about what you're doing there at GM. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset with the top down on that 57 Chevy Bel Air?
1: If I could impart one thing on your listeners, I would say be willing to go out on a limb and rock the boat. If, in fact, something has been done the same way for the last 10 years, figure out a way to do it differently for the next five years, right? Again, it's it's a great time to be in the auto business. We're going to be changing so much in the next five to ten years. What we know to be true today is not going to be true in 2018. So, oh yeah, <laughs> keep an eye out. It's going to be a great ride.
0: I think so. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and General Motors?
1: To learn about me, the best way to do that is to follow me on Twitter. My handle is uh, at Dave Barthmus. D a v e B a r t h. M-U-S-S. You can also find me on LinkedIn, uh, under the same name. And the best way to find out about GM is to go to GM.com or any of the brand sites, Chevrolet.com, you know, Cadillac.com, Buick.com, GMC.com. We're, we're all over the web. So, uh, don't hesitate to follow any of us.
0: Absolutely. And I encourage the listeners, go out and drive some of the new General Motors vehicles. As Dave said, drive everything. Test them all out. See what you think. I think you're going to find some things. You really enjoy. And again, I'll remind you, you can find links to everything Dave's been so kind to share today at his very own show notes page at com slash Dave. Dave, thanks again for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: Thanks, Mark. It's been fun.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah!